You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Formerly Bulletproof Radio. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. This episode is filmed live at my place in Austin, uh, which I'm uh, really enjoying because it turns out that when I'm in Austin uh, versus my place in Canada, there's all these people here um, who want to be on the show, including what I think might be setting a record as our sixth time on the show, but someone you haven't heard from in a couple of years. Uh, this is a good friend and master of some of the, we'll call them endocrine systems in the body, a pharmacist known as the thyroid pharmacist. But today we're going to talk about adrenal function. And I want you to listen to this episode because you have an adrenal problem if you're alive today. And I say this as a guy who was born with adrenal problems, and we'll probably get into some detail about that. Um, and having had stage four adrenal burnout and all that, I fixed it and I fixed my thyroid problems. And the most knowledgeable expert that I've come across around this, particularly with autoimmunity, particularly when it comes to things like toxic mold and things like what gluten does to you and all that, it is none other than Isabella Wentz. Hey, Dave. It's so good to see you again. I'm so glad that we're in the same city. We get to hang out. It's so much more fun to do an in-person uh, interview. So uh, this is awesome. And you have a five-year-old now, so we've hung out for lots of years. Uh, but now that you have a kid, I haven't seen you in a few years because I've been up in Canada and now I'm more mobile. So it's super cool just to get to hang out and to talk about adrenals instead of thyroid. Now, I'm going to ground listeners in why this is important. If you've heard any of my intervention episodes or just listened to the show for a while, you've heard me say, get your thyroid tested if you have energy problems. And Isabella had energy problems. I did too. And we arrived at similar conclusions. And I'd say, I don't know how many followers and whatever you have, but you've changed millions of people's lives with thyroid conditions. I have. I started off myself in my 20s just being exhausted and chronically fatigued. I was this like super ambitious person in my head, like stuck in a lazy person's body, quote unquote. And I know that's the feeling. Were, were you overweight too? Um, I was actually underweight, but okay, the other side of it. Yeah. This happens a lot of times if you get diagnosed with thyroid issues and later on in life, you might be overweight. Are you ready for a new coffee experience you haven't had before? It's called danger coffee. I specifically designed it for you with your biology in mind. There's a patent-pending formula with more than 50 trace minerals and nutrients that support your body, including electrolytes. And the best part, this form of minerals can enter your cells through cell membranes so that you can get your minerals back. Of course, it's made from hand-picked, lab-tested beans based on my very latest standards, so you know it's mold-free. With Danger Coffee, look for the ability to have level energy, to focus better, and feel very different even from just normal clean coffee, the minerals change how the liquids go into your cells. You might even feel dangerously good. So go over to dangercoffee.com and use the code DAVE15. I'm happy to gift you with 15% off to give it a try or maybe to reorder. And you'd be amazed at how many people are already subscribing. Once you have your first cup, you're going to realize you feel different. dangercoffee.com, code DAVE15, 
Thank you for supporting my businesses. This happens a lot of times if you get diagnosed with thyroid issues and later on in life, you might be overweight. If you have thyroid issues earlier on in life, it might show up as fatigue in your 20s. It might show up as anxiety, like depression, mental health issues, so on and so forth. In your 30s, it could be fertility issues for women. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, people aren't properly tested. And in their 20s, they're told like, oh, you are depressed. So let's give you antidepressants. You're anxious. Let's give you antidepressants, right? Let's give you all these things rather than testing you for a thyroid condition. Because typically, doctors, it's not on their radar until somebody's a bit older, maybe in their 50s, right? Right. When I was maybe 24, 25, something like that, uh, I was fortunate to go to an anti-aging doctor uh, back then, Dr. Miller. Um, and he just tested me, he came back and said, I can test almost no thyroid hormone in your body. And when I took my first thyroid medication, I'm like, like heaven has opened up. I have my energy back. Now I, I felt like, like I could finally press on the accelerator and then I would, I would move, but I didn't address my adrenal issues back then. And I'm noticing that, you know, your arc of, of information you've shared, you've really gone deep on the causes of a thyroid dysfunction and how autoimmunity ties in. Uh, and one of the things I want to talk about as maybe a, a point of crossing over is I've seen a few people say, well, if you have Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune uh, issues with your thyroid, you shouldn't drink the most sacred liquid on the planet, coffee. Cheers. So what's your take on coffee for people with Hashimoto's? <laughs> um, I mean, if it's your coffee, then we can drink it, right? So okay. generally, there are a few issues with coffee. So if the coffee is moldy, then that's going to be an issue for you because mold can be a really pow powerful trigger for chronic fatigue syndrome from autoimmunity, Hashimoto's adrenal dysfunction. So you want to choose a coffee that's clean. You want to focus on like not the instant coffee junk because yeah. a lot of the times it can be cross-contaminated with like gluten proteins. Mm -hmm. So, you know, choose wisely, right? So that's going to be the first part of that. If you're somebody that has a lot of issues with estrogen dominance, perhaps that might be something to look into. Right. Doing a detox. Like my goal is not for people to like live in a bubble and live as saints. My, my goal is for people to like thrive and live fully whether they have a thyroid condition or not, and figuring out like what's going on in your body, why are we so sensitive, and how do we build back that resilience? So yes, um, you can drink coffee if you have a thyroid issue. Oh my gosh, you set so many people free. Uh, and to your point, there's a lot of people who said, you know, Dave, you're a con artist, there's no mold in coffee. And there's 36 studies that say that that's true, and I didn't pay for any of them, so I'm gonna go with those and all the world governments. And instant coffee is the most dangerous. The studies that show cross-reactivity of coffee uh, with, uh, with gluten, mm -hmm. um, I called the lab, Cyrex, and asked them what they used as their testing agent. It was instant coffee. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So bottom line, guys, if coffee makes your life better, I did give up coffee for five years because it was triggering my autoimmunity so much. That was why I created Bulletproof. And since the time that I was running Bulletproof, now Danger Coffee, guys, dangercoffee.com, um, which has minerals that support thyroid and all that. But 
One of the things I also did is I said, okay, I'm going to go through this aggressive adrenal fix based on uh, Wilson's book a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And so people say, well, I'm stressed. If you're chronically stressed, you get this feeling of like, I have no energy and maybe it's thyroid, but maybe your body doesn't have an adrenal response. So I was, I did the, the thing we'll talk about with shining the light in the side of your eye. In fact, why don't you tell me what that is and I'll tell you what happened when I did it, but that test. Sure. One of the tests on Dr. James Wilson, beautiful old school naturopath, yeah. and he coined the term adrenal fatigue. And mm-hmm. we, we can kind of get into the nuances of yeah. that. But it's essentially how you're going to respond to that light. So are your pupils going to constrict when exposed to light? Because that, that's what they're supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. So when um, we have a balanced response between our sympathetic and parasympathetic, we're going to have these constricted pupils. But in people with adrenal dysfunction, with adrenal issues, that they're not going to have that same reaction. And they may be walking around with pupils that are too dilated, and their pupils might constrict and then dilate back up again. So what, ha- what happened with you? Well, the, the test, and, and you can do this at home. You take a flashlight, even your iPhone will work, and you look in the mirror and you shine the light in kind of from the side. And if your eyes... Um, they, what's the opposite of dilating? Constricting? Constricting, they, right. They constrict. So you have, you know, little pinpoint pupils. Um, if they hold that way for, it was like 30 seconds or something, you're fine. But if instead they start going, wah, 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 it's your body struggling to be able to maintain that. Or what it looked like for me was I couldn't drive to work without sunglasses because I just, it was too bright. And I don't wear sunglasses at all unless... Um, like I'm skiing or something where there's just a, a protective thing. So what I noticed was I lasted for five seconds before my eyes would do this. And to this day, if I stay up all night, which I did uh, last week, <laughs> <laughs> um, the next day I was light sensitive. So I took some cortisol, which is an adrenal hormone, and then I wasn't light sensitive anymore. It's kind of weird. Absolutely. So we know that sleep deprivation is one of the fastest ways to disrupt our stress response and to put ourselves into that survival mode and that like fight or flight mode. And like when you have a night of (laughs) going out on the town and having a good time or whatever you're doing or, you know, staying up with the book deadline, whatever it is. I was playing with chat GPT. Oh my gosh. I was at a party. I'm kidding. (laughs) Chat GPT though. That's that's really cool. Um, You end up being really sleep deprived, right? And Mm -hmm. so the next day, you know, maybe you get some sunglasses, you get a little bit more rest. Most people can bounce back from that. But there are people that are like chronically stuck in that state where they're walking around and they're constantly wearing sunglasses. They cannot be outside. They feel like vampires, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a really, really big sign that something is off about your stress response, your circadian rhythm. You're probably stuck in that, stuck in that like fight or flight adrenal dysfunction state. The other thing that happened when my adrenals didn't work uh, was I would get sick all the time. So I'd get exposed to something, and then all of a sudden, it would just turn into a sinus infection over and over and over, or just a cold. And it felt like I was just bouncing around. And when I managed to fix my adrenals, and we'll talk about how I did it. I want to talk about how you do it, because you have a, a newer book than the way I did it. Um, I've, I don't get sick. It's very, very rare for me to get sick uh, because my adrenals work. So when you have adrenals and thyroid and, heaven forbid, you know, your sex hormones working like, wow, you might have a really good life, whereas so many people now are stuck with adrenals not working, maybe more so even than thyroid. In fact, what would you, would you guess in terms of adrenal dysfunction and thyroid dysfunction in the population? Which is bigger? 
Definitely adrenal dysfunction. I just see it in so many people. So I've worked with people with chronic illness for for over a decade now. And 90% of people with autoimmunity, with chronic fatigue syndrome, um, with Hashimoto's that I've worked with, and I've done tests for their adrenal function, 90% of them have some level of dysfunction, whether they're making too much cortisol, cortisol at the wrong times of day, or they're hardly making any cortisol at all. This was so, so common. But now I talk to people all the time who don't have like a quote unquote autoimmune diagnosis. They're just stuck in like that survival fight or flight mode. And, mm -hmm. and they're like, they have trouble sleeping at night. Their energy is off. They're like constantly feeling edgy. So they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared. This person is out to get me. And it's just, I feel like so, so common these days for people to feel that way. I was really happy that you wrote the, your new book, Adrenal Transformation Protocol, um, because your thyroid book nailed it so well. And uh, knowing that you're paying attention to this in your patients and in your own life, um, I think this is more important than thyroid, even though thyroid is massively important, uh, like you said, because it's affecting more people now. Um, because I run Upgrade Labs, I, I get to look at how people are doing and um, for the first time ever, instead of asking for weight loss, people are asking for stress management more than losing weight. And that's just a symptom that our adrenals are just overworked, overtaxed. Um, and you know, the reason it could be chemical and toxic, it certainly has to do with social media algorithms and it has to do with the behavior of um, the overlords. <laughs> I definitely think overload behavior contributes to it. And so we have this bucket, right, that gets filled up with stress. And let's say we're we're in a pandemic, right? There's a lot of stress coming from the television. There's a lot of stress coming from our personal lives, right? Because yeah. everything's shut down. Because you lost your business and you couldn't go outside yeah. and stuff like that, you know. You, you can't take your kids to school, so they're with you 24-7. Yeah, that'll, <laughs> that'll raise your stress. Yeah, just a little <laughs> bit, right? Um, and, you know, you're feeling like for, for moms, I know I, I have a young son and it was like, oh my gosh, like my child is learning how to talk and everybody's wearing masks. Is he going to learn how to talk, right? Yeah. Or how to look at facial expressions. Read facial expressions. And so we have that, right? So it's like the current stressors in our lives, right? And then we have history of past trauma. That's a stressor that we're carrying around with us. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We don't even yeah. know, right? We don't even know that like there's something inside of us that's suppressing our resilience. The studies have shown when you have a history of of trauma, childhood trauma, and all all of these things that can happen to us where we end up suppressing and maybe feeling like, well, it wasn't really a big deal or I'm not going to, you know, it's it's not presently happening, but it causes low-grade levels of inflammation. It shifts the way that you respond to stress. Mm -hmm. And studies have shown people are going to be at higher risk for autoimmunity, for depression, for, you know, you name it. They're going to be at higher risk for it because of that childhood trauma or early life trauma or even, even trauma in adult life, right? After I started treating my adrenals, um, years ago, um, I started doing personal development work and I was about 30 and I, I was like, there's no threats here. Like childhood trauma is nonsense or some like birth trauma. And I got schooled in the fact that it actually matters. And even in, in my book that just came out, I talk about the meat operating system and trauma goes into the body and then the body reacts before you get a chance to think about it. 
And it's the adrenal system that's a part of how the meat operating system works. So if you liked my book, you should read Adrenal Transformation Protocol because there's lots of things you can do to mitigate trauma, which help with adrenals, right? But you might want to support them biologically as well. Mm-hmm. So how do you, would you go about it? Mean, you have a four-week plan in the book. So walk me through, what do I do over four weeks to you know, address my adrenals? So I know you and I like to talk about danger, right? And so the Just way, a bit. yeah, danger coffee. There are um, there's good types of danger, like danger coffee, right? And then there are danger signals that we receive from our environment, and they could be like the news, right? right? This is a danger signal. Holy cow, we're in a pandemic, we're in a stressful time. But then there's signals that are coming from within our body, right? Mm-hmm. So there could be inflammation coming from the foods that we're eating. We could be sending our body danger signals by our habits. So if we're eating foods that are inflammatory, if we're not getting enough protein, if we're skipping too many meals and running too much on a treadmill, what does our body sense? Our body's like, oh, we're in a stressful time. We're in a famine. We're being chased, right? And so we're getting all these messages. And if the danger signals outweigh the safety signals, we shift into this survival mode and our body's like trying to preserve our life, right? And yep. so rather than fixing ourselves, rather than working on our immunity, rather than giving us this beautiful energy and calm energy that we can have, we get stuck in that like anxiety, overwhelm, fight or flight. And so my approach to it is focusing on giving your body more safety signals. It, it sounds like you're saying that eating less calories and exercising every day might be bad for you. It can be, definitely, if you are with somebody that is in a burned-out adrenal state. But even if someone's not in a burned-out adrenal state, limiting calories and doing cardio every day, is it ever good for you? I can't say it's never good for anybody, but the people that I have personally worked with, I oftentimes tell them to cut back on cardio. Hey, guys. You've probably read my new book, Smarter, Not Harder, and if not, you're totally doing it the hard way because there is a single chapter in the book on the vitamins and the supplements that do the most good across every system in your body. I go deep on how D, A, K, and E work together. That's why I've created something called Vitamin Dake. They're not like the normal anti-aging, amazing things that I love to talk about on the show. They're not sexy nootropics. These are the things that allow every other system in your body to work better. So every ounce of work you do, you can get better returns if your vitamin Dake levels are high and if you get Minerals 101, the other supplement. And best of all, vitamin Dake at normal doses costs less than $20 a month and you're getting the right amounts of vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin K2, and vitamin E. So go to vitamindake.com, use code DAVE10. Limiting calories and doing cardio every day, is it ever good for you? I can't say it's never good for anybody, but the people that I have personally worked with, I oftentimes tell them to cut back on cardio. And I oftentimes tell them to (laughs) cut back on skipping meals. Yeah. So because cardio is catabolic, not enough, uh, which means that your body's going to be breaking itself down. And if we don't have enough protein, then we're not going to be able to repair ourselves. So part of what I do is I talk about you need more protein Mm -hmm. to help your body build itself back up to get into that anabolic state. And 
maybe instead of doing a lot of cardio, we focus on lifting weights or we focus on de-stressing exercises like yoga, right? Wow. I know you're a fan of protein, so I'm just wondering, wheat gluten is protein. How many grams of wheat gluten per pound of body weight do I need to get enough protein? Like, do you want, like, if you want to be inflamed? <laughs> well, it's just, it, maybe it's not just getting enough protein. What's the best protein? I really love hydrolyzed beef protein. It's hypoallergenic, and it is something that is going to be really helpful for you to feel better, and it's tasty. There are other types of pro- protein people can utilize if they're not sensitive to whey protein. Getting like a really clean source of that can mm-hmm. be great. Then there are things like um, egg white protein can be really helpful if people aren't sensitive, right? right? And hemp protein for some people works really well as well as organic pea protein. But it, it just depends. I work with a very sensitive population. Mm-hmm. So we typically look at making sure that the protein source isn't inflammatory to you, right? You know, ideally though, I do love red meat as a source of protein because it does work really well. And what I've noticed in people with um, fatigue and brain fog and, you know, like muscle wasting, which is also a common pattern of people within that adrenal dysfunction survival mode, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're in a breakdown mode is they need carnitine, right? And carnitine is a is is the only place you'll find it really is in red meat mm-hmm. or in a supplement. So part of my protocol does utilize including more so- sources of red meat mm-hmm. into your diet as you can for protein, as well as, or, you know, if you're not comfortable with that, utilizing carnitine as a supplement. And this is actually one of a, a really big game-changing supplement for getting rid of brain fog, getting rid of fatigue, wow. and helping you have better muscles and it it, it just, um, I love to look at products and protocols that have multifunctional use, and carnitine is one of these beautiful things, and it's found in red meat primarily. It, it is. Uh, in fact, I started on acetyl-L-carnitine when I was 24, uh, and I've been on it most of the time since, but I found if I took too much of it, that it was probably ramping up acetylcholine as well. I was getting jaw tension from too much acetyl-L-carnitine, so I had to dial back on it, but it's a mitochondrial enhancer. So you like either red meat or... L-carnitine for people with adrenal dysfunction. Or both. Or both. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah, I don't have a problem with both. Um, Are crickets red meat? I think they're green meat. (laughs) That was a good answer. But they don't contain carnitine uh, or good fatty acids or high-quality protein. It's so interesting. I mean, but they're crunchy if you're into that. It's true. But the deaths per calorie on crickets is really bad compared to, to cow. I mean, if you're into crickets, I'm no judgment here. Um, wow. I do think there are other you're very woke. sources. I, I, I am. I, I spent two years in California. So. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, I spent, geez, like half my life in California. So half my life, whatever. No, actually, probably more than that. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Um, by the way, I like California. It's awesome. I love California too. Um. All right. So I think we settled red meat. By the way, guys, if you read smarter, not harder you'll recognize some commonalities here that are concepts about trauma, about the meat operating system, and even about sources of protein that work for people. I look at people with chronic fatigue, people with autoimmunity, and people who have their mitochondria, uh, mitochondrial function taken way down. They're the test cases for what works for everyone. So you take people who are near the brink, and I know I was near the brink when I was really sick, And then when you take someone running at 10% of their capabilities and you double it, they're like, I got my life back. So if you take someone who's running at 90% and you put them at 100%, unless they meditate and they have self-awareness or tracking, they won't feel it. So 
we, we go to our, our, our edge cases, whether it's an astronaut recovering from orbit or a professional athlete or a racehorse or something, and we look at those and we look at people who are really disordered, and then they provide this beautiful lens on what makes the rest of us strong. Uh, so the things you're talking about here, even if you're not broken, if you don't want to get broken, like eat a steak or a hamburger. I love burgers. <laughs> <laughs> now, I got to ask about this. Hamburger is a relatively high histamine food because you get bacteria that break down all those little bits of ground up stuff. What is the role of adrenal dysfunction and allergies or long COVID or mast cell activation and stuff we seem to be seeing more and more of these days? Sure. So when somebody is in that state of adrenal dysfunction, um, there's usually a lot going on in their bodies. And yeah, I think the old approach was like, oh, you're drinking too much coffee, you're not getting enough sleep, or you know, you have a stressful job or whatever. There's, you know, there's a lot of arguing about like what causes adrenal function dysfunction, if it actually exists, right? People are like, no, no, it's not adrenal dysfunction. You just have mitochondrial issues. And that's mm. true. You actually probably have both, right? Or people will say, like, it's not adrenal dysfunction, it's mold exposure, or it's not adrenal dysfunction, it's H. pylori, so on and so forth. So there's a lot of different causes of adrenal dysfunction mm -hmm. where essentially what it is in very simple terms is this is how your body responds when it's under a lot of stress. And it could be a toxin, it could be a deficiency, it could be an external threat, or it could just be an emotional story you made up in your own head, which does happen, but much less frequently than people think. Usually, like, I have a toxin or I have dysfunction or something's going on, so my body's stressed, therefore I'm going to find a stressor, and it's my mother-in-law or whatever, <laughs> whatever story you make up yeah, about it. Yeah. And say, I, I'm so anxious, and actually, no, like, your body's not working right and it's telling you to do something about it. And I think you, you cover that well in just the way you think about adrenals. It, it's really cool. You're, you've got the biohacker brain. I love that. And your, your bucket gets too full with all these triggers, right? And yeah. so a lot of times what I see in people is with histamine issues, with adrenal dysfunction, sometimes the two go hand in hand, is that they likely have something going on in their gut. It's not that high histamine foods are evil. Like, you know, bananas are not evil, right? No. Chocolate's not evil. But what's going on is there's something in your gut that's causing you to produce too much histamine. It could be H. pylori, it could be blastocystis hominis, it could be another type of protozoa, it could be mold colonization, could be mold exposure, long list of things. Um, potentially, you are also depleted in some of the nutrients that help you break down histamine, P5P, and methionine. I've had, I've utilized this um, protocol for people for quite some time now, and I was trained in it in um, actually in pharmacy school at the Pfeiffer Treatment Center back in Illinois, where there's a way to support your body clearing of histamine. What I found in people with adrenal dysfunction, adrenal issues, their B vitamin levels are just really, really low. So they're oftentimes going to be low in B6 or um, P5P. Okay. So they're not able to tolerate histamines. They're not able to tolerate um, glutamines, they're not able to clear out oxalates properly out of their body, and they can walk around being super sensitive to everything. So, so part of that healing is figuring out how to raise your body's ability to fight infections. We do that with Sarcomyces boulardii. There's other ways to do this where you just raise your um, secretory IgA, and then you clear out these infections more naturally, like the pap 
protozoa pathogens just can, a lot of them can clear within 30 days of using that. And then we can also ramp up on some of the B vitamins and that will help you clear out histamine naturally out of your body. So you talked about uh, P5P, um, which is a form of B6 that's methylated. Yeah. yeah. Now, I have a bone to pick with you about this. Don't take B6. Let's just say, let's just put it that way. Oh, okay. Maybe I don't have a bone to pick with yeah. you. Yeah. Do take, not take B6. B6 is dangerous. Yeah. Okay. No, explain why. So B6 is, you know, pyridoxine. It's a man-made version of the active version of, um, of the vitamin. And what it does is it tends to accumulate in the body, not actually B6, but there's an intermediary metabolite that has a super, super long half-life. Typically, we say that most B vitamins, you, you can take as much as possible and you just pee them out. Not B6. You don't actually want to exceed more than like 300 milligrams. I've actually... 300 is a lot. It's like, yeah. it's like 10 milligrams is about... <clears throat> and I, yeah. yeah. And I've seen people even reacting to small amounts of B6. Um, the, the literature will say like 200 or 300. I actually don't recommend hardly any of it at all because it can have that intermediary, intermediary metabolite mm -hmm. where that sticks around for like 100 plus days. And that can cause neuropathy and all kinds of issues. So like when you think about like a half-life of a drug, mm -hmm. it takes 100 days to get rid of half of it, right? To go to half of it. So you, if you've been taking it for a long time, and I've taken people off of the B6 when I, they're like, I'm, I'm taking B6 and I have neuropathy. I'm like, get off of B6. So never, never take B6. You can take P5P mm -hmm. and in smaller doses, you don't need doses that are as high, and that doesn't turn into that intermediary. So there's no metabolite. risk of neuropathy with P5P. There is a much lesser risk, but if you already have neuropathy mm -hmm. from B6 toxicity, then I would consider holding off on that and really testing your levels. You can do like an organics acid test to see how, like, what your B6 status is. Okay. Right, guys, this is really important. If you're like me and you take 100 supplements a day, lots of companies, especially cheaper supplement companies or even energy drinks, they'll just wantonly throw B6 into the formulas. And if you count all the B6 you're taking, you might be getting enough and it's like, that's weird, I can't feel my toes. Maybe you should lay off the B6. And we have a pharmacist here agreeing with that. So thank you for talking about it. And P5P is the form that I use. So thanks for that, that kind of side thing. And if you're someone who has chronic allergies and all, look at P5P and look at uh, methionine, which is, funny enough, it's an amino acid we restrict on plant-based diets. And don't get me wrong, some people feel amazing on a plant-based diet, but the people that I've typically worked with, they're struggling. And a lot of times if they don't have religious reasons or sensitivity issues, we really focus on getting clean sources of protein to them. And a lot of times it's meat-based protein and we're eating more protein and more fat throughout the day to try to get your you know, blood sugar balance. That's a huge Imagine safety that, signal. Right? I, I love it. And you're just willing to completely call BS on stuff that, that doesn't work. Okay, something else I, I, I would do um, that really made a difference, I've been recommending this since I started my blog, is either mind salt or sea salt in water when I wake up as an electrolyte source and as a sodium source. What's your take on that? How do you do that with the adrenal transformation diet? So I do recommend this, and I do recommend it in a glass where you sip on sea salt throughout your day 
to balance your adrenals, people oftentimes have what I call, I just ate a whole bag of chips syndrome, right? (laughs) Where they're really craving salty things. And even if you're eating clean, you might be like, wow, this food that somebody made for me or that I prepared, it's really missing salt, right? And we want to get a healthy salt source. We don't want to get like the iodized, bleached stuff, right? So Mm -hmm. we want to look at sea salt and you add that into a drink. And Funny thing is, I used to call it soul, but I think it's actually soleil. If that helps yeah. anybody to be more fancy, I just take a pinch of uh, of any of the salts I use. I like Oryx, I like Himalayan, I like Redmond. Like they, these are all good salts, um, and sometimes like Celtic sea salt. That's all you know. It might have microplastics because it's from the ocean these days, but still, it's a all the minerals. Uh, and I do that on all my food. Uh, and I do it uh, in water whenever I drink water, um, or I'll put electrolytes that also have magnesium and potassium. Talk to me about potassium and sodium and adrenal dysfunction. Do we need more potassium than we're getting or not? It really does depend on the person. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD+, and that helps you make energy, it helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD Plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD Plus. It's what I use. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Talk to me about potassium and sodium and adrenal dysfunction. Do we need more potassium than we're getting or not? It really does depend on the person. Typically, I recommend doing electrolytes for most people throughout their day, especially if they're having morning fatigue. I will recommend giving them just an electrolyte drink in the morning to help support healthy cortisol levels, to help support a healthy blood pressure. People may want to play around with that a little bit, so I have a section on that in the book where if, if you're feeling like you're having a lot of cramping, if you're doing a lot more exercise, Typically, you might need a bit more potassium and sodium than another person. Generally, what I find is like sodium is going to be one of the first things that people need to address. And then we want to look at, do you need more potassium as well? Got it. Um, I typically uh, would say almost everyone is deficient in potassium um, compared to historical levels. And so when you're stressed, you need more salt and your body wants it and you should give it to your body and then you'll perform better and feel better. Right, whether you're putting healthy salt on your food, or you're putting it in your water. But as your salt goes up, you want your ratio of potassium and sodium to go up as well. Um, but what I would have happened before I was on top of my adrenals, I would try to take potassium in the morning, and it would just trash my day because it would drop my blood pressure. So when you're chronically fatigued and your adrenals are not producing enough cortisol, which is where I ended up. Um, then you don't have enough blood in your brain. And if you do that, you can even have something like POTS, where you you start to pass out when you stand up. Uh, I found out after a lot of testing and all that I have a condition where my body never has made enough cortisol, even as a kid. Like, it's a genetic thing. 
So I've been low cortisol. I supplement with bioidentical cortisol I have for a decade now. And it makes a huge difference. But if I take too much, I get a little bit puffy. Mm -hmm. So there was a time about like four or five years ago where I was starting to get a little bit moon faced because I, I hadn't backed off as my health got better and better. I needed less and less cortisol to maintain um, healthy levels. But if I went off thyroid hormone and I went off cortisol and I went off testosterone right now, I would probably age 20 years in two years and I would likely die. I'm with you on that. There was a time when I did an experiment when I came off of my supplements and all of all of my health habits. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I gained like 20 pounds in like two months. How did right. this happen? <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, you're just genetically or naturally thin or you just always, you, there's no way you were ever sick. There's no way you ever had chronic mm -hmm. fatigue. And I'm like, yeah, I did. And it happens if we don't manage our health and if we don't learn how to let go of that stress and if we don't learn how to shift into the more of a thriving state, right? It's true. If your adrenals are trashed, you're walking around going like, I can't bring it. Like no matter what, I'm just, I don't have any energy. And everyone says, but you look fine. You look healthy. There's nothing wrong. But you know, like you really know there's something wrong. And it's, it's a really disturbing feeling when um, you're trying to do something and you know that you ought to be able to get up off the couch and you know that you ought to go do this for the kids or do this for work or whatever, and it's just not in there. Like, there's no more gas in the tank. It's, it's super frustrating, and I know I, I, along with many people with autoimmunity or health challenges that maybe, you know, maybe you look thin or you don't look like you're sick, you get this message, but you don't look sick, but you don't look sick, and people think that you're just lazy, mm -hmm. right? And people are like, well, you should just exercise more or you should do this or you should do that. Maybe you should go plant-based. You should, Yeah, exactly. But people, people with those flatlined adrenals, they end up like doing exercise mm -hmm. and did. it makes them feel worse, right? So Sometimes it makes for days. like, it, yeah, they like, they're, you know, if you've heard of the analogy of a spoonie, they only have so many spoons per day to use up for their energy. Like the average healthy person with healthy adrenal function, healthy thyroid function, um, healthy hormonal function is going to have unlimited spoons, right? Um, and these people are walking around with like six or seven spoons. And if they go out with friends, it's like mm -hmm. they have to recover for three days after that, right? If they if they push themselves, if they do an mm -hmm. exercise regimen that's too long for them or too intense, they're going to be bedridden. They, their body like doesn't know how to recover from stress, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but there's a way out. So if you have POTS, if you're a spoonie, if you're chronically fatigued, like there is a way out and it can take like three to four weeks, right? Three to four whole weeks to get out of that. I mean, geez, guys, I mean, it's almost like you might want to read the Adrenal Transformation Protocol. I'm not kidding. It took me a couple of years to dig out of that. And I, I did reach the point of exercise intolerance. Um, it was a while ago, but I would just like lift and not even that crazy. And then I would just be completely wiped for three days. Like I would need 10 hours of sleep. I'm a six and a half hours a night kind of guy. That's all I need. Like my, I get an hour and a half to two hours of deep and I'm like, I, I am so high energy, but I wasn't then. And it, it was like, how am I going to work today? Like I know I'm supposed to work, but I try to look at my computer, like my eyes glaze over and, and like, there's just nothing in there. Um, one of the things that, that I did do is I went off coffee because I read it that, in that old book that said it was somehow bad for you. And I did the salt thing. And I've, I've maybe twice in my life gone into really deep adrenal dysfunction. And the second time, I'm like, you know what? Fuck that. <laughs> You're supposed to have higher cortisol in the morning. 
and that's how you get out of bed. And a glass of coffee is life-giving to people with adrenal fatigue in the morning if it's clean coffee. Not 10 cups a day, but one in the morning with some salt to get things going so you can have a quality of life while you heal. Am I on the right path or not? Yeah. Um, so I, I've actually gone into adrenal dysfunction three times. So um, I have experience with, with all of the things. And the first time I, I healed... I focused on utilizing hormones, right? So pregnenolone and DHEA, some cortisol, um, getting you know all all of the things like mm -hmm. quitting the caffeine and so on and so forth. Then that helped, but it does take like three months to two years to work. And one of the unfortunate side effects I had with um, some of the hormones is that they gave me chin hair and back knee, which you know you don't really want when you're a woman. But the second time I was like, okay, I don't want to I don't want to go through the whole hormonal route. And it was like during a time when I was working through, um, I launched a documentary series and a book and just was like, you know, burning the bridge at both ends. Yeah, you were on the show during that time, right? Oh, I was. That yeah. was fun. Um, and I noticed your goatee at the time. I did you? Well, I didn't, I didn't use the hormones then, so maybe that was just my natural look that I was going for. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but thank you. I'm going to go look in the mirror now when I get home. <laughs> Um, and so the second time I just really focused on lifestyle. So I was like, let me sleep 10 to 12 hours a night and let me like quit all the caffeine and whatever. And just like, let go, just start saying no to a bunch of stuff. And so I was able to recover my adrenals within 30 days. And then I got pregnant and had a beautiful baby. And then, um, you know, throughout that whole process, I had been telling people like, you need to quit caffeine. You need to do this to really heal your adrenals. You need to take hormones so on and so forth. And it didn't work for, it worked well for a lot of people. But then there were some people that were like, I'm not going to quit caffeine. And there were people that said, I don't want to take hormones. Or they would take the hormones and it, they would overconvert to like estrogen and cause more estrogen that, dominance. That happens to me. You, you give me five milligrams of DHEA and I have no libido for a week. Okay. I was going to say maybe you have man boobs and I was kind of looking. Oh, I, I've had some A cups before, but I don't have them <laughs> now. But yeah, if I don't like that stuff, I, I would, I have very low DHEA, but I, I cannot take it because like, I mean, I, I, I don't like having nipples that sensitive because it's distracting. I mean, there, it works well. <laughs> it's just not good for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It works well for some people, but for some people it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. And then I, got into that adrenal dysfunction for the third time when my son was eight months old, right? That's a, such a classical time because of all that lack of sleep and lack of nutrients because babies steal your food. Yes. Oh my yes. gosh. What happened? Well, I was like, okay, I'm not sleeping. And I know that I can't go back to my adrenal protocols of sleeping 12 hours a night. Like that would fix me, but I can't do that. Like so I'm taking care of a baby. Yeah, right. I'm taking care of a baby. And then I was like, I can't um, take hormones because again, I'm feeding a baby. I don't Personal. want chin hair. Yeah. I don't want my baby to have chin hair. I don't can, want him to have that. They can nestle right under your chest hair or your chin hair. It'd be great. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry that I told you about this. <laughs> um, and then I was like, there's no way I'm giving up coffee. Like this yeah. is how I function. This is how I get through. And then it finally like occurred to me that I was like some of my clients who um, I told them to quit coffee, but they were like, okay, so I quit coffee. Just quit life at the same time. Right. They're you? like, you know, I, I was having, they, they were tired throughout the day. They were drinking lots of coffee and then they were having anxiety. They were having headaches and then they were waking up all hours of the night. I was like, okay, quit coffee. And they're like, I quit coffee. Now I'm still tired. I still have headaches, still waking up all hours of the night. 
but now I have like lost the joy <laughs> as well. Like my morning went away. <laughs> so this is even worse than like, you know, the <laughs> thing of, of like going, being sick and drinking coffee, right? If this is how you want me to heal, like I can't do it. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my, man, I get it. I get it. Like I get it as like a new mom and drinking coffee. And then I kind of realized I was like, oh, this is what people are doing with the coffee. They're self-medicating. Yes. Yeah, they have low cortisol in the morning, mm -hmm. so coffee raises our cortisol. Coffee and salt in the morning equals love. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then in the evening time, a lot of times people would be self-medicating with alcohol, right? Even with worse. wine. With wine because they have high cortisol in the evening and their cortisol curve is flipped. Mm -hmm. So um, the program, and you'll be very happy to hear that, it doesn't tell people to restrict coffee. It doesn't tell people that they need to go off of coffee. We actually focus on building their energy levels first and aligning them with the circadian rhythm. So they have lots of energy throughout the day. That's the And gift. sleep at night really, really well. And then some of them, if they choose to, they will wean off of coffee naturally over time. We typically, if, if you know, having a, a cup of coffee a day, two cups of coffee for most people is great. It um, has health benefits. This whole anti-aging thing, even three to five cups in the studies, I don't do well on five cups of coffee a day. Me neither. <laughs> so I, I do if two or three of them are decaf, but um, one to three cups for my body weight anyway, it works really well. And I, I just want to thank you for telling people with adrenal dysfunction that if you're using caffeine in the morning to raise your cortisol so you feel good, that it's okay. Because I think it's actually very mean-spirited to tell people with chronic fatigue and exhaustion, the one thing that's working for you, stop doing that. It, it, it doesn't work for the vast majority of people. Or like you said, it can take two years. Absolutely. And, and there's other things like you talked <clears throat> about utilizing sea salt or stepping outside and getting some sunshine. Yeah. That can raise your cortisol levels naturally when you sleep better that's going to help you build that morning cortisol when you get rid of some of the inflammation in your body. So you can enjoy your coffee, but like not be dependent on it. Like if you're drinking, I have people that have gone through the program that were drinking six cups of coffee a day and their goal was to wean off. And so by usually by week three, when they have enough energy, we're like, if this is an optional wean and this is how you do it. You don't do it cold turkey. I tried that once. Um, I think I like uh, yeah, that, that was not fun, right? Just, just switch to aspirin if you're going to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, you can do it gradually over time where maybe like you cut down by 25% and then you get to your goal. Like I still drink on average two cups of caffeine a day. If I go any more than that, then it's a gateway drug to like overwork for me. Yeah. Which, um. <laughs> so when I was younger and growing my Silicon Valley life, um, I would go on the cycle, like one cup, two cups, and just keep adding coffee throughout the day. And then I go, oh, I have to do something. And then I would go cold turkey for two weeks, and then I would slowly climb up. I would just say, if you find you're constantly adding cups of coffee, something is not working. Yeah. And I've been at the fixed level of coffee, which is, I don't know, about three cups a day, forever. And maybe it's five sometimes, but I'm doing espresso, which is half the caffeine of normal coffee. So if I do five of those or three cups of normal coffee, same difference. But I've been that way for a long time and I don't want or need more. And so the deal is if you need more coffee, you're probably doing it wrong. And yes, guys, I sell danger coffee and I'm telling you drink the right amount for you, but don't do more than you need. And if it's a uh, if it's a dependency where you can't get through the day at all without increasing your consumption, you have a problem. But if you need a cup of coffee in the morning, 
so that you can feel like yourself, you probably should work on your adrenals. But you don't have to give up the coffee to work on your adrenals because if you do that, you won't have the energy to work on your adrenals. Like that, that was my experience. So Absolutely. He, so here's what I, I would tell someone. I want you to like poke holes in, in what I do. Okay, I'm lazy, I'm a biohacker. I like results in the smallest possible amount of time. And my strategy is generally, oh, you have a problem? Let's just do everything that'll work all at once as long as they don't counteract each other so you get results and then you can back off and see what actually worked because I just want you to have your state. And, and this is one of the criticisms I had of, of just Western medicine in general. They're like, well, let's try one thing and see if it works. And three months later, we'll try another thing. I'm like, I only have that many three-month periods in my life. And I'd like to have those <laughs> maximized where I'm like, awesome. So someone came in with really clear adrenal fatigue. I'd say, all right, here's what I want you to do. Have a cup of coffee in the morning. Have some salt in your water in the morning. Have some magnesium too. And take the supplements and all that. But I also want you to take relatively high-dose adrenal glandulars. I want you to take licorice root extract. And I want you to take 2.5 to 5 milligrams of Cortef in the morning and at lunch. That's bioidentical cortisol, guys. It's prescription. Um, and then I want you to take whatever you need to go to sleep, not alcohol. You can use kava from True Kava if you want to. Or you could use any of the sleep formulas like the Qualia formula. I think you can use code Dave or something for Qualia. Sorry, guys, I don't remember the code, but I, I'm an advisor to them. But like any of the sleep formulas that you like. And if you just do that, for the vast majority of people, you're probably going to be okay. So poke holes in, in that. What's wrong? What's missing? Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just shred me here. I, just, I see what works. Okay, so starting off with glandulars, uh -huh. I think they could work really well for some people. Um, they are amazing, but if you get the whole cortex extract, you can mm -hmm. actually get some adrenaline into your system. So where that's not super fun. Doesn't that feel good though? No, you feel like your heart is racing and you're having a panic attack. So I've had people that have my clients that have come to me or people just commenting on my Facebook page that said, I tried, you know, this adrenal extract and I went to the emergency room with a panic attack, right? Oh my God. And if you do doses that are too high, this can happen. If you um, dose them at night, as well yeah, as dosing keep you up. hydrocortisone at nighttime or too late in the evening or a dose that's too high for you, you can suppress your pituitary axis and then your body won't make its own cortisol, right? Mm. So this could be an issue for a lot of people. Yeah, cortisol yeah. at night is rough. It can be rough, like and just like applying topical steroids for prolonged periods of time, all of these things, it's like our body is a feedback system. So if you're giving yourself external hormones, your body's going to say, huh, we're good. We don't have to make our own, right? Um, is that a bad thing? It is a good thing if your body physically can't produce those hormones. But if your brain is disconnected from your adrenal glands, which is what's happening in HPA axis dysfunction, mm -hmm. then perhaps there might be another way to wake up and reestablish that connection again. But there are ways to reestablish that connection really, really well. And a lot of it is focused on some of the lifestyle tools and shifting mm -hmm. your body, teaching your body how to naturally get out of that survival state and teaching it to go into a more thriving state. So, so you, we talked about the glandulars um, and then, then like kava, right? Mm -hmm. And so utilizing things at bedtime. Um, kava can be a helpful supplement for some people. And then there as long are, as it's clean, because that's another one. Uh, that's why I do the true kava stuff. Yeah, yeah. There, there could be some issues with it, right? Like you said. Um, but generally, there are other ways to really support your circadian rhythm, right? So if you're having trouble sleeping, 
then there are some considerations. It's not always like a melatonin issue. It's not always like because you're kava deficient, right? So, um, there, or, or ambient, I mean. You're ambient <laughs> deficient, right? It, don't get me wrong. I think there's, I'm always like, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And I think I'm supposed to say there's more than one way to peel a potato these days. But the issue comes up with people where um, they're just disconnected from the circadian rhythm, which is the majority of people that I work with. And there's a way to connect with it again. So the bright lights in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. Eating in daylight hours, spending time in nature, spending time outside throughout the day. This is going to be great. That lets your body know it's wakey, wakey time, right? right? Yeah. And then in the evening time, you have a wind down routine. So you, you're not like you're, if you're like watching Netflix, if you're looking at your phone after dark and you don't have that dark mode on or you're just exposed to bright lights, then your body's not going to know that it's time to wind down and go to sleep. We, um, in our house, our new house, we have like these red lights that turn on every night after sunset and all of our neighbors have come over and been like, hey, <laughs> what's going on here, right? Um, so you don't have to get like that intense, like you can just get some of Dave's glasses to block out some of the light so that your body knows it's time to fall asleep. I, I would really encourage you, I'm not even kidding. LED lights draw five times more insects than incandescent light bulbs. And it's one of the reasons that we've lost about 60% of the insect mass on the planet, which is part of the destruction of the soil. It's the big chemical companies like Dow and Monsanto and Bayer that are killing the rest of the bugs. But it's your lights. So turn off your outdoor lights at night or make them red. And if you do it, you'll be as cool as Isabella and as cool as me. So shine your weirdo light. Find others like you. Yeah, it's like other, it's, it, it attracts other biohackers like moths. So when you see the red lights outside, it doesn't mean that they're in a submarine. I find, um, and another, another habit that I utilize is Epsom salt baths, mm. where they just really load me up on magnesium before bed. And I have found that my deep sleep is about three hours when I utilize those. Wow. And, um, and I do them longer than the average person. So I do recommend people start with like 10 to 15 minutes because, and they can dry out your skin and so on and so forth. But usually like that and a dark room helps me sleep really well. And then a cold room, um, you, you generally want it to be around 65 degrees because you'll wake up with nightmares if you don't have a cold enough room. And so this is part of what I teach people, like just really focus on your sleep, right? So part of that magnesium and that dark light um, or that darkness in your room and the, all the light exposure, this works for about half of the people, right? Um, I also focus on like blood sugar imbalances. If you're waking up at that 3 a.m., let's focus on balanced blood sugar eating. We can do something like uh, myo-inositol. We can utilize carnitine to help you, your body burn fatty acids throughout mm -hmm. the night so you sleep longer. Then I'll focus on if you're waking up frequently throughout the night, this could be like an ammonia toxicity. You have too much ammonia in your body and that's causing frequent night wakings. And so magnesium can be really helpful with, with that as well as carnitine, making sure you're pooping on a regular basis. You know what else helps with ammonia? is ornithine. Ornithine, yes. I put that in the sleep formula that I did for Bulletproof when I was uh, involved with the company. 
And it, it was really popular. And the reason it was in there is because ammonia was messing with people's sleep. And the people were saying, it only, I can only use this one and it works. It was because we we're addressing ammonia. That's just most sleep formulas don't even consider that. I, I love it. You're the only person I know who talks about ammonia in sleep. Interesting. Yeah. We both came up with that. Interesting. I, I talk about ammonia uh, in, in this book as well because it can really mess with people and people don't realize that this is a trigger and things like H. pylori, protein malabsorption, constipation, um, CVS, gene mutation, all these things can actually contribute to people creating more ammonia in their bodies. And yeah, ornithine is kind of kind of the thing if you're waking up a lot throughout the night. Wow, that's so cool. I, um, literally, no one knows that stuff except for you because, well, you're the thyroid pharmacist. You know all your cool stuff. Um, anytime we get to sit down, because like we, we've you know, known each other for a decade now. Anytime we sit down, I just love nerding out with you because you know all the weird stuff that I know. And so I'm always swapping notes and like, do you know about this? Do you know about that? And I do want to plug a couple things here. Number one, you should get Isabella's newest book and her last book too. If you're into biohacking and all that, Adrenal Transformation Protocol. I cannot recommend this more strongly. If you just feel like you have no energy, there's a very good chance it's your adrenals. Um, I've dealt with this actually for much of my life. I'm super on top of it. I have more energy now, and I have eight companies and 300 million downloads and eight books and all sorts of cool stuff going on. Uh, it's because I got my energy back, and it's because my adrenals work, my thyroid works, my sex hormones work, and I dealt with all the other stuff that you hear about in adrenal transformation. So just got to say, Isabella, you rock. You're one of the most knowledgeable people I know, which is why you've been on six times on the show. And um, you just keep bringing new information and making it real accessible. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for all the things you've taught me over the years. Oh, very welcome. Again, the book by Isabella Wentz, Adrenal Transformation Protocol. See ya. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. The Human Upgrade. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.